0: And I know that it's it's just about to get better. We are so fortunate. We are so blessed to have this woman as our first lady. (laughs) I think everyone in this room can think of a situation that you were facing or a problem that came up in your life when this lady stood with you, stood by you, or behind you, Or wherever she needed to be to help hold up all the pieces. I know she has for me for going on 11 years now. (laughs) Praise God. And, uh, you know, she is always amazing me with what wisdom she has to impart into my life. I I tell her, I call her just about every Monday morning. Just about. (laughs) I try to wait till double digits in case she got to sleep in, which she rarely does. But I always call her. I say, hey, I just feel like I need to talk to you for a minute, even just a minute, even if it's a ridiculous joke or something that I read online that I think she needs to hear about because (laughs) she doesn't hear nine million other things during the day. But every Monday, she says something to me that I hear the rest of the week, every Monday. And I don't even think she realizes sometimes The wisdom that she gives me. Because I don't think that she gets on the phone with me to give me wisdom. I don't think that's her goal. I think she's like, okay, what does KK want? Let me answer the phone. (laughs) But she is so wise and so incredibly anointed and talented. Her musical stylings, I love them. They are my favorite. She is my favorite singer. But at the heart of that singer is a heart for God and a heart for the kingdom and a heart for this congregation. And I think that it's not like that everywhere. I know that. I know that. But it's like that here. And I I think that we are so fortunate to hear from her tonight. Last time, she blew my mind with that service. And I I know that God has been moving on her and that what she has tonight is a divinely inspired word from God. So let's back her up, y'all. Get behind our First Lady. And let's let her know just how much that we love her and how grateful we are that God saw fit to give her to us.
1: Oh, I love y'all so much. Um, let me get my big old bottle of cucumber water. Uh, let me get my Bible and my 92 pages of notes. Um, and that's not because we actually, we're going to be here for three hours, it means that... Uh, I have to make the print extra big because I can't see. So anyway, um, I love y'all. I'm so glad you're here. Actually, you can just be seated, okay? Because I'm going to start this out with a story. But first, I want to thank my amazing husband, Pastor Walden. We love him. We're so glad he's here tonight. Thanks for coming and backing me up, babe. I love you. And uh, I want to thank my amazing kids. Um, I want to thank Jessa. Because she is our prayer coordinator here. And she is such an amazing woman of God. And this is her baby. And I'm so glad that she has such a burden for these ladies' services. Because I get so much out of them. Um, And not just spiritually. I love y'all. I like to be around my people. It's good for me. And um, so I want to thank my amazing church family. Um, KK, you did awesome. Good job, girl. Bibby, you did awesome. Good job, girl. Um, so, uh, before we get started, I just want you to lift your hands in the air and I want us to pray for this service, for the rest of this service. God, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're changing in us. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, the revival that has taken place. Lord, we love you. We need you. We adore you. We seek your face, O oh God, we love you, Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. We give you all the glory and all the honor in the name of Jesus and let 's just clap our hands to the Lord All right, so we're going to start off with a little story, and y'all will get where I'm, y'all will get where I 'm going in just a minute and actually, I had from the minute that I fought with Sister Jessica Finley over whether or not I was gonna, I was gonna speak at this at this ladies' meeting or not because I was trying to tell her. I was like, I did the last one. You do, you do this one. She's like, No, you need to do this one. And I was like, I'm your elder. And she's like, I know, but you still need to do this one. You know. So anyway, you know, we fought it out and we're fine now. Um, but um, anyway, I had something else in mind, and uh, it was just literally just a one word thing. And I was and I was studying and I was seeking God and I was praying and. And, um, this morning I woke up and God changed everything. So it's just, it was one of those things. And, and, um, I actually woke up this morning. I was, I was sitting in my living room with my, um, with my notebook and, and my cup of coffee trying to wake up and, and, um, and I, I love to turn on YouTube and just turn on messages so I can just have, have something just fresh word from the Lord pumping in my brain first thing in the morning. And um, I heard a, a message from Brother Raymond Woodward, and it, you know, those, you know those, those times when you know the Lord is speaking to you, and when you know the Lord is just kind of sweeping through the room, and something just spoke in my spirit and said, said these ladies need to hear about this. So, um, I'm going to do my best with all of the studying I've done all day long, okay? Never mind the weeks before on the other message. But um, anyway, so, I want to I start off with, I want to tell you a story about a man, and his name was Shammah. Now, to most people, he wouldn't be that important until you know his story. His story is tucked away in the Old Testament, surrounded by big events in Israel's history, and bigger people, which means, you know, the kings of Israel. And, um, and my next question was, okay, so where did he come from? He came from the lineage of the herarites and they were mountain dwellers. And this is going somewhere, I promise. And um, the word is a combination of the noun mountain and the verb cursed. Now. Because it was a difficult life trying to scratch out a meager existence among the rocks and the hard, unyielding ground of Israel's desert hills, they were mountain dwellers, mountain cursed. Now, to make matters worse, his, father, his father's name was AG, and it meant fugitive or one who flees. So his dad had the reputation of being a coward. One who would run at the first sign of trouble, which makes what Shama say his name with me Shama, which makes what Shama did even more remarkable. Now, this is not going to be a very long message. Um, now, meanings of names in Israel were a big deal. We know that, right? Um, you don't have to go very far in Israel's history. Um, to know that everybody's name meant something important. Um, And it could either bless a child or curse a child for its entire life. Um, If you were born under something terrible, well, then people just identified with you with that terrible thing for the rest of your life. Uh, They could reflect the qualities of the bearer of the name, or they would speak of events that were happening when a person was born, and that's why they would have that name. Um, I know that, uh, my own kid, Jake Walden has probably wanted to backhand me a few times for naming him Jacob, even though he's actually not named after Jacob in the Bible. He's named after his great, great grandfather, Jake. (laughs) So, but when people talk about Jacob, they're like, Oh, he was a liar. And he did this and he did that. And I'm like, Hey, he's not that bad. Quit it. Leave him alone. You know, but anyway, um, so we don't know in great detail, what was happening in Israel when Shama was born. But it must have been totally disastrous because Shama's name actually means, listen now, wasted, empty, desolate, deserted, devastated. And the emotion that is attached to that name and to all of those uh, definitions means horrified, appalled, astonished, abandoned. All of which makes what Shama did even more remarkable. Now, this man, whose name literally meant appalling desolation, say it with me, appalling desolation, was born in a time of appalling desolation. Now, he decided that his history would never determine his destiny. As he grew up, he refused to be defined by his meager mountain existence. Now, We know that at some point in his life, he moved to the lowlands of Israel where the ground was fertile and there wasn't so many rocks and desert and that kind of thing. Um, We know that Israel had a backslidden king, Saul, um, whose reign was actually marked by the absence of an altar. We don't ever want to be marked by that. And his reign was also marked by the captivity of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, the captivity of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, So things weren't great for Shammah. You get what I'm saying? All right. But another king was waiting in the wings, King David. And Shammah found him along with 400 other men. They found something they could look up to in David. And the Bible says they went to King David in in debt, in distress, and discontented. Does that sound like the way we show up on Sunday service? Sometimes <laughs> it's like, "Hi, my name is Sister Walden. I'm in debt. I'm discontented, <laughs> and I'm in distress." We're so glad you're here. Please worship with us. You know, I mean, we've all we've all been there. We've all been in that category where we're like, "Lord, I'm just I brush my teeth and I'm showing up." So so here I am. You know, we we've all been there. Now, here's what happened. These men were very loyal to King David. Um. Then there were 30 of those 400 men, and we learn about this in 2 Samuel, 30 of those 400 men that were forever known as the 30. And then these 30 brave men, they really stuck by King David. And then there was three men whose exploits would take them even further. They were known as David's mighty men. Now, the first of them was Jobesh. And Jobesh killed 800 men with his spear in one single encounter. Jobesh was a bad mama-jama. Okay? Now, the second was Eleazar. Eleazar fought until the muscles of his hand froze to his sword. Wow. That's somebody who was willing to fight. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a bad dude right there. Um, if I ever met any of those guys, I would certainly hope they were on my side. Um, and then there was Shama. And what he did was so remarkable. Now, here's the setting. He only gets two verses in all of Scripture. Okay, and I'm going to give them to you right now. There's Second Samuel, uh, I think 23, 23, 11 and 12. And I'm going to read it to you. And it says, And after this was Shammah, the son of AG the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop, and there was a peace of ground full of lentils, do you know what lentils are they're beans, okay, and the people fled from the Philistines, and he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, what Shama did was he defended a little bitty piece of land that he knew that God had given to him. And he wasn't willing to give an inch to the enemy. That's what Shammah did. Shammah, the man who was born with a name like Desolation, Appalling Desolation, in a time of Appalling Desolation, decided he was going to do something different. Now, the Philistines were awful people, okay? They were brutal. They were known for their brutality all, all over the land, Um. And they were the worst enemy that Israel faced in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is full of accounts of their, of their clashes, their battles, their bloody battles um, with the Israelites. And this lasted for almost 600 years. Now, the Philistines were iron workers. And I am going somewhere, so y'all pay attention. The Philistines were iron workers, and they knew how to wage war. Now, this is, this is what makes them pretty awful. And I didn't know this until today. One of their most cunning attacks and one of the most awful ways that they would wage war against the Israelites was called a harvest attack. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay. They would wait for a season while the Israelites broke their backs for a harvest. And then they would sweep through and steal the harvest at the very last minute which meant no food for the Israelites and their families, no nourishment. It meant starvation. Now, nothing was as devastating as a harvest attack. Now, on this day, it was happening again, and most of the people had already fled in fear, leaving the fields at the mercy of the enemy. The farmers had only wooden tools to defend themselves against the sharp iron of the Philistines. Now... Defending their small plot of ground almost always meant certain death. So they literally had to decide, am I gonna am I gonna run and, and try to live another day and give the enemy more ground or am I am I gonna stand here and die? They, they they had to make these decisions on a on a daily basis. Now, like every other time, they dropped their tools and they ran for their lives. Now, here's a side note. If we could ever realize where we're standing and if we could ever stop complaining about the fact that God's not feeding us enough or we're not getting fed enough and fight for the harvest that we are standing in the middle of let me tell you something that to me that is spiritual philistine mentality The enemy will come through, and he will he will steal everybody your good work and leave you starving to death. And you're standing there in the middle of a harvest, and you're standing there in the middle of of a way to have another harvest, and a way to have food, and a way to be fed. But you have to pick up the tools, and you have to pick up the seed, and you have to put it in the ground, and you have to do the work. That's how that works. So the next time the enemy tries to make you feel like you're starving to death, I want you to look down and see where, exactly where you're standing. You're standing in the middle of a harvest. Now, spiritually, that means we are in the middle of a harvest of people. And all we have to do is look around to see the blessings that God has put on this place and the blessings that God has put on the church. And, we can, and we'll be able to realize what an amazing revival that we are right on the edge of. But we've got to look down at our own feet and see where we're standing. That's just a side note. Okay. Now, on this day, Shama had decided to go against every label that had ever been slapped on him. Anybody ever had a label? Anybody ever been called something that you knew you weren't? Any, anybody ever, ever, ever felt like that somebody just made an assumption about you that it was absolutely not true and you had no control over it? Anybody ever felt like that? I know I have. Now, He decided to go against every negative inclination and every evil word that had ever been said about him. And he decided to fight back. Now, he single-handedly turned the tide of the enemy's invasion. One person did this. One man, one man with a bad name and a bad label decided to turn the tide of the invasion of the enemy against the people of God. It takes one of us. It takes one of us with a made-up mind. Now... While the others abandoned the harvest they had worked so hard for, while everyone else figured that they would just have to live with the losses one more time, Shama stood his ground now there isn't has anybody ever heard the English saying it 's not worth a hill of beans anybody I know if you live in the south you 've heard that um, I had no idea it was biblical, I guess, but anyway um you know, you, and, and, it, and it literally means something of low value or no value at all. Now, um, a field of beans is exactly what Shama was fighting for. Just a little patch of peas out in the middle of Israel, right? Now, um, he decided to fight for it. He decided that he was either going to run or he was going to stand now he had to decide was it worth fighting for or was it going to be you know uh, or was he going to plant his feet and square his shoulders back and 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 steal his backbone and fight for the harvest so many times we have to make those split decisions. am I running or am I fighting? you know am I living or am I dying? We have to decide that now. Um, we don't know exactly what was going through his mind when he decided to fight. Maybe he had just had enough. Anybody ever been there? Maybe he had just had enough of watching his family go hungry. Maybe he had just had enough of being violated over and over by an enemy. Maybe he just bent down and picked up a weapon and said, not today. Now, sometimes we have to just simply say, not today, Satan. Satan. Not my field, not my family, not my harvest, not my home. You've come this far, but you're not going any further. I've let you have this much ground, and I regret it, but you're not going any further. You're not taking anything else from me. That's exactly what Shama had to decide He had to decide, is this worth my life? Yes, it's worth your life. Fight for it. Sometimes you have to decide, is this worth my life? Yes, it's worth your life. Fight for it. And I know what I'm saying is the truth because I just felt the power of God come in this room. Now listen, we have to make up our minds. Not my family, not my peace, not my healing, not my marriage, not my pastor, not my husband, not my children, not my soul, not my salvation. Not this time all right now listen shama finally decided that he had had it up to here with the philistines and some of us need to decide that we have had it up to here with the enemy of our soul we've had it we have we have had enough of the enemy taking things right out from under us taking our harvest taking our joy taking our peace sometimes you just have to stand Sometimes you just got to stand in the middle of a patch of beans and decide, I will not roll over and die again. I will not do it. I will not do it. Sometimes we got to We have to decide to fight. And we need to know and understand that the more territory we give to the enemy, the harder it will be to win back. So stop backing up. You don't have to do it. You're strong enough. You're strong enough to stand there, plant your feet, and square your shoulders and decide, not today. I'm not backing up any further. I'm not going to do it. Now, ladies, it is high time that we fight like Shama. We fight now. Aren't you sick and tired? Are you sick and tired enough to stand and defend what God has given you? I want you to think right now just of one thing that God has promised you and one thing that God has given you. And I want you to decide right now, is it worth standing and fighting for or am I going to let it kill me? You don't have to die in this field of beans. You don't have to do it. You can fight for what God has given you. You can fight for the promises that he has made to you. Now listen, sometimes you just, it's, just, it's just simply saying, why not here, why not now, why not me? Why not you? What's keeping you from fighting for the things that God has promised you? Now, so that's what happened in Shama's heart that day. And when that happens in yours, you'll stop fighting against the people you should be fighting for. You'll stop complaining about circumstances and leadership and not being fed while standing in the middle of a harvest. And you'll pick up a weapon and start fighting. And not only that you'll pick up a basket and a fork and you'll start eating because we're in the middle. We're standing in the middle of the harvest. We've got everything we need right here. We just need to access it. That's what we have to do. Now, um, to some, our church is just a small little field of beans. And I love our little field of beans. I love it. Um, And compared to other churches that run six and seven and 80,000 people on Sundays. You know, I don't see how they do that. I'm like, how do y'all keep up, you know? Um, to some it may seem small, but to me, this place, this little patch of land right here in Winterville, Georgia, and all of these people that God has let me come in contact with and blessed me with, y'all are worth fighting for. Y'all are worth fighting for to me. Now, it'll take a lot more than just a bad day to get me to back off. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dying in the middle of this field, and I'm not letting the people I love die in the middle of this field. And if I'm fighting, I'm going to jerk you up by your ponytail and make you stand up, and you're going to have to fight with me. Okay? Now, um, let's go a little bit smaller. Let's think about our families. Now, I think, I think that Sister Alicia Harrell, she's, she's got four babies. Is there anybody that has more than four babies that go to church here? So their little family is six people, right? Six people. Now, I want you to think about how many people's in your family. We have three, we have four, we have one, we have whatever. As small as you feel like you are, you are still worth fighting for. And as small as you feel like your influence might be, it's still worth fighting for. It's still worth standing up for. Now, in Leviticus, God told his people, this land is mine. That's what the Lord said. So, this church is his. My family is his. Your family is his. Whatever is yours is also God's, and he will defend it. This field, this place is his. And he will take care of us. And he will defend it. Now I know personally I'm not giving up my inheritance. Sometimes we choose our battles. And sometimes our battles choose us. Now King David chose Shammah. Say Shammah. Because he knew he would not give an inch to the enemy. Of the thing that God had promised him. He defended a field of beans, even when he was tired and it wasn't convenient for him to do so. Now, little battles fought day by day, by endless day, sometimes, result in wars being won down the road. Fight for the little things, and you'll have a big victory. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give your God-given space to the enemy. You just don't have to do it. It's not in the rule book that you have to stay beat up and defeated all the time. It's just, it, we're just, we, we are made to be above and not beneath, and the head and not the tail, and we know all that. But, but do we really? Do we get it? Do we get the, the power that we have when the Holy Ghost has come upon us and that we really are daughters of God and that we really can take our homes back? We really can take our marriages back. We really can take our families back and our children back and our church back. We can take all of that. We don't have to give that to the enemy. Now, this is, what, this is what really got me. Shammah knew that if the Philistines could come and take that little field of beans, the next time they came back, they'd take the whole harvest. And if they got the whole harvest, they would come back for the fences. They get the fences. That means they get the boundaries, the standards, and the protection. And if they took down those fences, they could get into the house. And if they got into the house, they could get his family. And if they got his family, they would kill his future. So it's, it starts with that little patch of ground that you decide, I'm standing here and I'm not leaving. And I'm, I'm not going to give this to the enemy. Because I know that if he gets that much, this is the thing. The enemy of your soul will invade until somebody has the guts and say the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That's just it. Now, so we fight for the small stuff, the stuff that no one else sees, the big victories, you know, they come from winning small, and we know all that. The little insignificant battles that you fight on a Thursday because you overcame your bitterness. Nobody's putting that on Facebook, okay? Okay. You're not going you, you know, to get a star in your crown you know, by other people on that one. But you have to fight it anyway. You still have to fight the bitterness. You still have to fight the unforgiveness. You still have to read your Bible. You still have to decide the enemy's not going to take this day away from me. It starts with the little bitty stuff. Now, um, I can see just by talking to you ladies all the time, that there is incredibly great victory in your future, and you need to declare that when the enemy, that the enemy will not get one more thing that is yours—not your ministry, not your family, not your marriage, not your children. Now, the thing—the thing about that is, any territory that we give up to the enemy becomes a launching pad for his next invasion. Whatever it is, there, it's never just one battle, ladies. You know that. You know that when, you, when you've given the, the enemy that, that territory, that he, he doesn't go, okay, we're good now. Have a nice day. He stays right where you let him step, and he uses that as a launching pad to go even further into your life and steal more stuff from you. So don't let him do it. Stand up to him. Now, I wish that we could just lift our hands And lift our voices. And with a little bit of fight in our voice, I want you to begin to declare victory right now. You can stand or you can sit, whatever you want to do. I'm not done, but I want us to just begin to declare victory right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it may be, whatever the enemy has stolen from you, I want you to begin to name it and claim it back in the name of Jesus. I want you to call names of people that you refuse to give up to the enemy. I want you to call situations that you refuse to give up to the enemy. Right now in the name of Jesus. Ladies, pray in the Spirit. Something happens when we pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Declare that the enemy will not get one more thing that is yours. Right now in the name of Jesus. Not my heart, not my mind, not my home. No, no, no. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. And listen, ladies. You will never fight alone. All you have to do is stand. And all of a sudden, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, is standing right there fighting next to you. You will never fight alone. Now listen, Shama knew, and you can be seated, Shama knew about labels. He knew about the things that people would call him and what people thought when they looked at him because of the label, because of the name. His very name meant appalling desolation. I want you to decide tonight that you are going to stop operating under labels that other people have slapped on you because of their own issues and their own insecurities. It's not up to you, you know. They, they, they can say anything they want to say. But you decide who you are in God. You decide what label you're going to have. Not anybody else. Now, I want you to shake off those labels and I want you to fight anyway. I want you to live anyway. And I want you to thrive anyway. Now, now I want you to stand with me. And we're about to be done and God's about to move. Now, this is one of the coolest things that I have ever discovered. In the word of God. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet that labored with Israel in their captivity. He, uh, we have his prophecy in our Bible. He prophesies hope for Israel's future. And when Ezekiel ends his 48 chapter prophecy... He ends it telling about, you know, the, the, the new and glorious temple. But listen to this. The last verse and the last word from Ezekiel is this. And I want you to put this up there on the screen for me, love. It's Ezekiel 48 and 35. It was round about 18,000 measures. Listen. And the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Now Listen. The Lord is there, in Hebrew, translates to Jehovah Shammah. So, God takes our name, our pain, our labels, our appalling desolation, our devastation, everything that we think is bad about us, God takes that... Changes it with his blood, with his redemption, and says, and renames you, the Lord is there. That's what he does for us. That's who you are. That's your name. That's your label. That's how you fight. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. You don't ever have to deal with another label. You are not in desolation. You are not in devastation. You are healed. You do belong to Jesus. You do belong to the great and mighty God of the universe. He loves you. He named you. He labeled you. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. Your name will never be appalling desolation. Your name is the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. That's what God does for you in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your test, in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of your pain. He takes every bit of it and He rewires everything that you are and turns you into something where the Lord is God is there. The Lord Jehovah Shammah is there. He is never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. So what I want you to do is I want you to come around this altar. I don't want you on your knees. I want you to stand up. And in your mind, I want you to see yourself picking up that little wooden tool, that little thing, that little thing that you fight with. And I want you to see yourself defeating the thing that has tried to destroy you because Jehovah is there. The Lord is there. Jehovah, Shama, Jehovah, Shama. the Lord is there. He is never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. He is going to take care of you. He's got his hand on you. He will change your life. He will change your mind. He will rewire everything you are in the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to lift him up right now in Jesus
0: name. I'm not going to try to add to what this woman has spoken, but I feel in my heart that the enemy's already trying to creep in. Woo. We ain't even left the building yet, and our mind's already spinning. This is good, but God's not a God of good, He's a God of more. Woo. And there's more in this place. I feel it with everything that I am. Hey. I want to read a couple more scriptures, and then I want us to pray again. Sometimes it takes more than one dip in the river to be cleansed. Y'all know the story I'm talking about? Went to the River Jordan, not once, not twice, but he had to go a few times. Mm. So I just want to say this. This is in Isaiah 43. I almost said this earlier, and I didn't feel like it was right. I switched it up. But it's right right now, and I believe that. Isaiah 43, verse 3 says, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Saba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, will I give men for thee and people for thy life. God's making an exchange. He's already done the ultimate exchange. We didn't have to go to Calvary, He did. We don't have to fight our battle alone because He's there. He already did. Fear not. Already in your mind, you're thinking, I'm gonna defend my little patch of peas, Sister Candy. But what about this? Mm, come on, no. come on, come on. But what if this? I'm gonna defend my patch of peas, but if my sister says something cross to me, mm, on, I might have to defend something else. That ain't what God said. He said, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east. And gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. He's got all sides covered. You hear me? Every side of your field, he's got covered. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name. If you're here tonight. And you've got the Holy Ghost, guess what? That's you. If you ain't got it yet, you can have it by the time you leave tonight. This, you are grafted in. People say that verse, and I feel like as a child I would say, grafted in, yeah, that's wonderful, that's a good thought. No, you are part of the family. When This book in Isaiah, that's you. That's me, that's my child, that's my husband. We all have the same promise. It doesn't matter if you grew up in this thing or you've been here for five minutes. You have a promise in God. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. The reason we're encouraged tonight is because of the glory that God has because of Jehovah Shammah. That transition from Shama to Jehovah Shama. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. God remade Shama because of a decision that Shama made that said, God, not today. I'm not doing this with the enemy today, God. I'm gonna need you to back me up because I've got a wooden hammer and homeboy's got a sword. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like that in our day to day. We're going to war with a toothpick, and somebody's got an AK-47 is how it feels. But when God comes in, there are angels around. When God comes in, he's got those hands that just push the seas apart. All right. This is it. Don't leave here with regret. Where you said, you know, Cailin gave me that other chance. And I prayed a little bit, God. But I still didn't feel like I got what I needed. I already said earlier it ain't about what we look like. Come on now. It ain't about what we're wearing. Everybody here is beautiful. You can take my word for it. But what we need right now is a little bit more. We need to push a little bit more. We're tired. We're already thinking about what we've got to do when we leave here because it's hit us that, oh, yeah. I do have kids. Oh yeah, my husband probably didn't get all the laundry done when I got home. I'm have to do it. Whatever it is, put it out one more time. Come on. Draw the line. Not today, enemy. Laundry's not worth it. Not today, that fight I'm having with my friends not worth it. Not today, that fight I'm having with my husband's not worth it. Not today. The financial problems I'm having. It's not worth it. This is my field, God. This is my promise, God. This is my family, God. This is what I'm keeping today. So right now, I want you to raise your hands. I want you to put everything else out. We're going to push a little bit further. A little bit further right now. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, I'm pleading your blood. I'm pleading your blood, God. The blood of Calvary onto this congregation right now, God. Everyone.